Welcome back. So after 40 years of wilderness wandering, a new generation is ready to enter into the promised land. Moses gathers them and delivers one final message. He recounts all of their rebellion and God's grace up to that point, and he calls them to covenantal faithfulness. At the conclusion of this speech, Moses gives a warning, an ultimatum, which basically says to listen and obey God will lead to blessing. But to disobey, to come out of line with the source of all life and love and goodness, to not be dialed into that which is most true to the author of creation, to disobey will lead to devastation and lead to exile. At the heart of Moses' call to covenant faithfulness um, is this call to loving partnership, to a marriage between the divine and humanity. At the center of this is a desire that Israel would become the kingdom of priests that God had desired uh, them to become from the very beginning, that wisdom and justice would flow out to all the other nations, right? That they um, would recognize their blessing and become a blessing to the world around them. So our passage that you just spent a little time on, Deuteronomy 8, I want to read again here. Be careful to follow every command that I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Again, this is the culmination of a speech or a sermon reminding Israel of their experiences in the wilderness and the lessons that it had been designed to teach them. Every command, he says, every command, you must be careful to observe. God called Israel to complete obedience And this obedience was to be based on remembering what the Lord had done among them throughout those 40 years. And what what he had done was through testing, discipline, again, and grace and mercy, he had begun to form them. In story after story, God is teaching them uh, to rely on him, to, to trust him to depend on him, to take marching orders from him. If you're new to the story, these people, these these Israelites, these Hebrews that were former slaves uh, in Egypt, um, their only worth in Egypt was really coming from their production, from the amount of bricks that they produced, from all that they accomplished. They were slaves. So by sheer grace, they had been saved by God, They had been brought out of bondage in Egypt and into the wilderness where God then began to undo how they had been formed in Egypt and then prepare them for this glorious future. They had been taken out of Egypt and now God was going to take Egypt out of them. And testing and training is how this was going to be done. So just as a a beginning uh, moment for us, like during Lent, Like during a a, a pandemic, what might God be wanting to take out of you? Is there an invitation in this season to training or to testing? 
Um, I don't know if you liked taking tests. You can just raise your hand right, right now in your house. Like, did you like taking tests? Yeah. Did you not like taking tests? Right, yeah. For all the people who said they liked taking tests, we did not like you for that one, for that, <laughs> for that reason. Like, any chance that I had in taking a test, um, or any chance I had to get out of taking a test, I, I would. And now in high school, you can't get away with this too much, but I'm going to circle back to that in a minute. In college, it was always just finding ways to essentially, like, audit classes, figure out ways to do pass-fail, independent studies, internships. Um, I was just constantly working every angle I could, not because I was just fearful of them. I just, like any normal person, did not like, just kidding, but like <laughs> did not like to take tests. Um, I, I had a, a moment, it was, I believe it was junior year in high school, and it was an English class. And we, uh, I don't even remember what the assignment was, but I convinced my like, very um, uh, hippie-influenced professor that it would be um, cool. Instead of writing a long, like, research paper, I would do this sort of part music, um, poetry reading thing, record it onto, like, a cassette and hand that in as my big final project, knowing that that, putting that together would just be so simple and easy for me and actually having to be graded on my reading and writing skills uh, was not something I was at the moment looking forward to at that stage. It was like everything I could do to get out of a test. Right, testing is meant to reveal what, um, what's in there. Right? Testing at its best is meant to expose what you've actually learned. And it's just as a PS here, when we talk about like testing and trials in life, like, testing happens to all of us. We, we all take this test. All of God's kids are tested. You can take heart in that. So we read that testing was how God was to know what was in their hearts. Now, don't think of this kind of knowing like, um, like we think in the West. It's a very uh, distinct difference. In the West, we think of knowing as like, I know two plus two equals four. I know that buffalo sauce is a gift from God. I know that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Uh, or I know that cats are the only creature not created by God. Like, these are things that we know, right? In the Eastern world, um, where this story is situated, to know is to know experientially. I'm guessing God knew what they were thinking. What God's saying here is, I, I want to see what I want to see what's in your heart. I want to see that in action. So we put them into these testing situations where they were required to put into action what was inside. Show me. It's like God saying, Show me what you claim to believe. This, by the way, is all over the scriptures. James 2 uh, says, uh, Someone will say, You have faith. And I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Or Jesus saying, if you love me, you'll follow me. If you love me, you'll do what I'm commanding you to do. It's like, this is how we will know. It's God saying, this is how I'll really know what's in your heart. Now, we get an example uh, here in the next verse. It says uh, in verse 3 of Deuteronomy 8, he humbled you causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, 
which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, this story is found in Exodus, um, Exodus 16. So we read in a little more detail. The whole Israelite community sent out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. By the way, this is Sin. It's like Mount Sinai, Sin. It's where we get Sinai, not Sin as we think of Sin which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. Verse two, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Bit dramatic. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Like we remember the meat pots. (laughs) Like, by the way, we're not even sure if they're hungry. Uh, In Psalm 78, this sort of reflection on this section, we read, they tested God by demanding the food they crave, which is interesting. We don't know necessarily their hunger levels here. What we do know is this was about what they were craving. And we have God just inviting them here Like, I want you to put into practice your total dependence on me. And so he lays this thing out. Look, when the dew forms tomorrow, in that dew, you will find, uh, he says, bread from heaven. I'm going to provide for you every day. Go out, pick up just enough. By the way, on the sixth day, pick up double for the Sabbath. He's giving them very clear instructions. Then God said, I will test them to whether they follow my instructions. Right? So God heard their complaint. He gave them food. And he, again, it says, I want to know what's in your heart. And so what's, for all the grumbling that took place, if you know the story, they grumbled, they didn't like this, they didn't know what to make of this. They did go out. They did follow instructions. They went out and they said, what is this? Which, by the way, is what manna means. What, it's like calling something like a, I don't know, like a huzimbawachit or something. Like, they're like, what is this? Let's call it, what is this? And, God provides, and yet, um, even in their grumbling, even in the places where they were unfaithful and where they pushed on God, you can see the training where they actually begin. uh, This is like a second of three big tests. um, that They begin to actually follow his instructions. That was God's second test. Um, And then we find this third one, like, well, before we get there, like, don't pick up more than enough. Trust me to collect just what you need um, and, then, um, and then begin to like follow suit. So the next test is where uh, we see God testing like how wholeheartedly they are committed. Exodus 17, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped um, at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses saying, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test, right? It's one thing for God to put us in a place of testing to form us, but for the Hebrews to test God, like unless you give us water, we're out is something else entirely. Verse three, but the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us Uh, and our children and livestock to die of thirst. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. 
And then the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. The story ends uh, with them saying, is he among us or not? Right? They have like the, again, if you're not familiar with this story, please go back and read this. But you have God's presence showing up as like a cloud going with them. They've seen all these places where God's been faithful and still they find themselves going, is he among us or not? I prove it. He promised he would go with us, but here we are now thirsty. This doesn't really sit well with God. So Moses goes out. He walks, uh, we read, to Mount Sinai. And so Mount Sinai is, the, is like God's mountain. This is the place where the Ten Commandments like, are given where like the marriage ceremony of how God and humanity at like a base level at this moment are going to live together. He goes to Mount Sinai and he hits it. He strikes it, the text says, and then water comes rushing out. It's like God saying, those people deserve my judgment, but I'm patient and slow to anger. And so one rabbi says, so it's like God saying like, so you can hit me. You hit me. It's like we're already seeing echoes of the cross. I will take, I will take the hit and I will provide even in your grumbling and even in your um, unfaithfulness. Painful testing. God here is again training his people, showing them how faithful he is and wanting to see what is actually in your heart. Look, we all live in the wilderness in those situations where God tests you, he wants us to seize the opportunity in that struggle to say, I'm so committed that even here, even here in the uncertainty, even here where I'm starting to forget, even here in the struggle, I want you to know what's in my heart. Pain, as we've talked a lot about throughout this last year, may be God's way to show us the depth of our commitment to him. Or another way to say it is the depth of our trust. And then there's one more test in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 6, um, uh, or one more test in this Exodus story. In Deuteronomy 6, um, Moses articulates this. He goes back and he says, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. And then in verse 10, he says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, Houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide. Wells you did not dig and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. It's almost like Moses saying when it all goes well, like that's the real test. Houses you didn't build, wells you didn't dig. You will forget me. You will forget me in an instant. It's like these questions of like, will you say these were my talents? Will you take credit? Will you remember your story? Will you remember that you were a wandering homeless refugee? Will you remember my provision? Because that will be the key to blessing. The other day um, for my birthday, 
my wife, um, this is like sort of a, I guess it's becoming a new tradition in our, in our house when it comes to like blessing the other spouse. And uh, basically it involves like person getting out of work. Why don't you go and stay? There's like a, a hotel that we love downtown. Go and stay there. Um, you know, like take a shower, get your, by the way, backstory here. We have three young children under the age of seven. For those of you who are new with us. So you know that life. Some of you know that life. It's a life that produces like this, right? So we, we, we go, I want to give you some space. Go take a shower, get ready, order dinner. And then um, the other spouse, right, will like find, put the kids down, find somebody to come over and watch while the kids are asleep, go hang out, have dinner, like have a great night with with your, with in this case, my wife coming and having a great dinner and night with me, and then going back home, relieving the sitter, and then the the extended gift is that I wake up in the morning um, late. I sleep in. I take a, a shower. I, I like have a slow morning. So this happened on my birthday, an incredible birthday, and I wake up at six something in the morning to my phone ringing, and I notice that it's Corey. And so I pick up, and all I hear on the other side is, and then it clicks off, and then it picks up again. It rings again. I pick it up. Corey? Like little, like, baby noises. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then again, to which when um, the phone would hang up, I would try to, like, call right back, like, FaceTime call to create different, like, rings on the other side so Corey might... um, realize on the other end that Keller, my 20-month-old, is incessantly just hitting call daddy, call daddy on the phone over and over. There's a screenshot right here that you can see how many times this call happened. And I thought to myself, once Corey finally got to the phone, realized what was happening, as I tried to go back to bed, I thought to myself, there is no escaping reality. This is just what is true about my life. Right now, in this season, I get up early. I get up at the crack of dawn, even on a day that is quite literally designed so that I don't have to get up at the crack of dawn. I can't really escape what is my reality. It reminded me of this phrase in recovery, wherever you go, there you are. The wilderness, whether it's a forced wilderness like Lent or a very real wilderness like our cultural moment, are so often used by God to reveal reality. What's really in there? It's used by God for testing and for training to show us what's happening inside. (laughs) Because the temptation to walk away from generosity and sacrificial love and beauty and goodness and presence and true joy Look, they're far stronger in the promised land. In a lot of ways, the tests of the wilderness are easier than the tests of the promised land. Struggle and lack. Wilderness shows us where we're, what, like shows us what we are made of. And it shows us what we're not. They reveal, they expose, they uncover And if we let them, they train us. If we allow God into them, they train us for abundant life. 
So all this talk of testing and refining and sharpening and uncovering is all about God's great love for you and me. And so our invitation is to consider this all. And this is always that hard passage. We preached on this right at the beginning of the pandemic. The invitation is to consider it a pure joy. It says in James 1-2, Consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Look, God doesn't just love portions of us. He loves all of us and wants to redeem all of us. The Father uses testing to shape. um, He will use testing to shape your character and to sharpen your thinking and to strengthen your heart, to endow you with courage to mature you. Testing is the loving action of a father who actually wants to father you. God tests us for our good. And so we have to remember this when the temptation comes along to listen to the voice that says, look, trust your own way. Because there is the temptation in the testing. And we see this in Deuteronomy. We see this uh, in, in Jesus in Matthew 4 that AJ spoke on last week. The temptation in the testing is to slander the character of God with thoughts like a loving father wouldn't put you through this. He, he would give you what you want right now so that you wouldn't really have to suffer or go without. Right? He wouldn't give you manna, he'd give you meat pots. He wouldn't like allow you to like go without water for a while or the water wouldn't be tasting right. He wouldn't do that. Do you really think God loves you? It doesn't look like it. You don't deserve this. You shouldn't have to go through this. This is the temptation of entitlement again in the promised land. When you forget that every good thing you have comes from God in the first place. And the temptation then to forget. We can twist God's testing into thinking he's not present and isn't maturing us. It's so... um, It's something that we can easily recall and yet we forget over and over. It made me think of um, in like elementary or high school where if you had parents that were more like disciplined or a little more strict, you'd gravitate in those years towards um, the kids who had parents who seemed to not know how to say the word no. Anyone have like parents around them? Maybe it was your parents, maybe that was your own where it was like, oh, the, yeah, Andrew, your parents and their rules. And it's just so easy in those moments naturally to go like, oh, yes, there's something broken here. My parents are to this. And then, right, it's when you get out of high school. It's when you, you move away and you realize like, oh, it was sadly those kids who never were told no, who had no rules and had no restrictions and weren't fathered and weren't mothered. Like they're the ones who are in a place often of lack. They're the ones who, who weren't, didn't mature and didn't become so often all they were created to be. God doesn't just want us to depend on him in times of pain and struggle, but at all times. And there's a reason 
because it's in our dependence and allegiance and connection and awareness that we find life. It's been said that this passage is perhaps the greatest statement of human dependence on God for everything. Right, we read in verse three, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus repeats that line in Matthew. Are you depending on yourself or on God? Like what is in your heart? Are you declaring your independence or are you leaning on the author of love and all creation? Let me say, I understand how being dependent on God can produce all sorts of questions and uncertainty. But personally, the alternative is far more fragile. The other day, my, uh, my friend Ashley said in a prayer call, she said, we fear being dependent on God when we should fear depending on ourselves. What's in your heart? Show me. God says to the Hebrews, show me. Jesus, right, tells the story of the parable um, of the sower. Um, he says, a farmer went out to sow his seeds in verse five. Uh, he says, uh, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered um, because they had no root. So later on in the passage, one of the few times that Jesus explains his parable, explains the story, he says of this seed, he identifies the ones who fall away as those people who receive like the seed of God's word with joy. They receive like God's spoken word over them with joy. But as soon as a time of testing comes along, they fall away. He says, since they have no root, they last only a short time. They receive the words of life and love all right, we can just kind of have fun with this for a minute. Like they experienced God's faithfulness and experienced his joy. They tasted it. They got the announcement in the context of Jesus there, the announcement of the kingdom that God's gonna be making all things new. They knew what God was up to in the world. They heard the larger story and they fell away because they had no roots. Testing reveals how deep the roots are. And so God here in the wilderness, here on the eve of going into the promised land, tells these people, blessed to be a blessing, that he led them into the desert in order to train and test so that he might know what was in their hearts. And he still does this for his people today, for you and for me, leading us through experiences, using struggles and pain caused by living in a world full of free will. He uses this to reveal the depths of our hearts and lead us then into deeper love. The wholehearted love of God cannot be reciprocated with half-hearted devotion. This is a hard word, but there is a God who loves you exactly where you are, who is full of grace and mercy when you fall short, when you don't see the test, when you miss it, when you forget. But it is still a God who is fathering us and who loves you far too much to let you stay where you are. Would you pray with me? Lord, I acknowledge um, 
than in a season of, of vol voluntary wilderness like Lent, where I'm fasting and I'm trying to be aware of what's in my own soul and heart. I'm trying to let go of things and pay closer attention to my own propensities. Lord, um, when I, I lean into the hardship of this season that we're in, this, this pandemic and all that's upon us in this cultural moment, um, it is so easy for me to, to lack the courage um, to allow you in to the most broken of places. Lord, I, I want to be tested and found faithful. And so Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for, for everyone who might have the courage to pray this prayer, Lord. We invite your, um, your training, Lord. We invite you um, to form us in deeper ways in this season. We invite you into whatever the hardship and struggle and pain that people are experiencing right now, the disconnection and the loneliness and the uncertainty poverty, fear. Lord, we know that you work everything together for good. And so we ask you, Lord, that we would be able to receive whatever is happening in our life, Lord, um, into like, <laughs> into a place of like surrender to you, that you would give us the courage to obey. Lord, that you would show us what it is to depend on you it's one thing to say, yeah, Lord, we'll depend on you. It's another thing to actually step into that, to show you that, to respond in that way, Lord. For we know, Lord, when things are good, there's a deeper temptation to forget you. And so in this moment, maybe some of us just need to like re, um, recommit to trusting that your way is the best possible way, that your way leads to life. Maybe some of us, it's like remembering back to those moments of being like disciplined as a child or having an obstacle put in front of us and our parents saying, let's see how you deal with this. Like we need to like go back and remember that moment and remember that may be what God is doing for some of us right now. May we, um, may Lord, you would just increase our, our desire to grow in maturity. I just, I feel like there's some, some of us out here they're like, that all sounds too hard. I'm kind of okay where I am. It's like we're okay just kind of having our heads down while we miss like the, the walls of water that you're holding back. We're okay with just milling about with trivial things all the while you're inviting us to be able to live like in awakening and revival in the way of heaven even now. Or you are the, are the way and the truth and the life. In you, Lord, we live and move and have our being. In you is where all blessings flow from, Lord. Increase our, our, our trust. In this moment, Lord, we, we say again, we depend on you. Help us to depend more. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. So as we come to the table, God, um, I pray that we would find fresh healing. We would find fresh resolve. Um, 
trust you in this season. I pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.